Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. We are focusing on what it means to be a prayerful community. We're going to take a few weeks to recalibrate as a church. You know, we've been through a lot in this last year, and I really felt that it was right for us to come back to the book of Acts and to seek God for what does it really mean for us to be his people, his church. And those of you who joined us last week would know we focused on mission, and this week we're focused on what it means to be a prayerful community, and we're going to do that together. It involves us reading scripture together, we're going to pray together Um, I'm going to stop a couple of times, press pause in the sermon so that we can pray here in the building and online. So please stay uh, involved and um, be prepared to pray. We're going to do that together now as we begin. So this isn't just a sermon on prayer, but this is time for us to hear from God, to reach out to God and to read his word together. So let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for these words in Scripture. We thank you for this model, this early church who were immersed in prayer as they were so dependent upon you. Lord Jesus, would you grow us in intimacy with you today, this week, this year? Lord, show us what it means to be a prayerful community. So meet with us now, speak to us through these words. May we hear you and may you hear us as we call out to you together. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Please keep your Bibles open, uh, Acts chapter 4. I was thinking uh, this week how I'm sure like many of you, we have all relied on our internet connections more this year than ever We've had to, many of us, work from home, we've been schooling from home, we've done church from home. I mean, it's been everything from home, hasn't it? And maybe like the Walker household, uh, you have had some challenges along the way. Those moments when the connection wobbles and either your your face freezes as you're doing a Zoom call or the internet drops out altogether or those awkward moments where the audio is distorted and we end up sounding like R2-D2. I've had plenty of those. But my favourite moment in the last 12 months um, was this. So we, we had another problem with our internet access at home and I heard one of the children shouting to me downstairs, Dad, the internet's not working. So I walked upstairs and as I got to the top step, I realised quite clearly what the problem was. And there, in front of me, was stood one of our sons saying, Dad, the internet's not working, whilst holding the router in his hand. The router that works when it should be plugged in. The router that, in fact, only works when it's plugged in. And he was standing, holding this thing in his hand, saying, Dad, it's not working. And I had to explain to him there's this basic principle that this little piece of kit only works when it is plugged in. It cannot work otherwise. And you know, in a similar way for you and me, a bit like this router, if we are not praying, 
we will not function as God intends us to because he longs for an intimate, close relationship with you and with me. And one of the ways in which we do that is through prayer. And not just prayer calling out um, requests to God when we're going through a crisis, which is often what happens. Because the headline for this sermon, really, this talk, is that prayer is relational and not transactional. Prayer is relational and not transactional. God wants to draw close to you. He wants to hear from you and speak to you, to have an intimate relationship with you. And that's what prayer is at its heart, enabling that relationship. The early believers prayed all the time. Have a look back at Acts chapter 1, verse 14. So we read in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus... uh, shows himself, he reveals himself again to various people. He, he says, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes, be my witnesses. That's what we thought about last week. And then he ascends to heaven, to the right hand of the Father. And we read in verse 14 of chapter 1 that the disciples, the followers of Jesus, gather together in that upper room, verse 14, and they all join together constantly in prayer. Throughout the book of Acts, we read about the disciples praying for healing. They pray for guidance. They pray for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They pray when they're facing persecution. They pray in temples. They pray on roofs. They pray in homes in the upper room. They pray on ships. They pray in prison. And this is to be our model too. We're a people who pray at all times, in all places, in all manner of different ways. As John was saying, there's no one set way of praying. It's a conversation with God, with our Creator, with our Father in heaven. But this prayer that we read in Acts 4 helps us understand a bit of how we can pray. It's the longest prayer in the book of Acts, and I'm just going to pull out three ways in which it can help us as we pray. And the first thing is we see here is that the disciples are praying together. They pray together. So Peter and John have been released from prison. This is the context, and it's really important that we understand this context. They've been persecuted and oppressed, and they go back to their friends, back to the the other disciples, And they've got a load of choices in front of them of how they can respond. I wonder how you and I would respond if we'd been imprisoned. We're released from prison. We go back to our friends. What are some of the choices? Well, we might be panicking. We might pray that we wouldn't go back into prison. We might find that actually we we just want to be silenced. We might be fearful. We don't want to share our faith anymore. There's a whole number of different ways in which these disciples could have responded. But in verse 24, we read, they raise their voices together in prayer. And this word together, homothumadon, appears 12 times in the New Testament, 11 times in the book of Acts. Something powerful happens when we gather together and pray. 
We saw at the beginning of the book of Acts, chapter 1, as Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples get together and pray. On the day of Pentecost, as we'll think about in a few weeks, they're together and they pray. And when Peter was in prison at night, his brothers and sisters in Christ gathered together and they pray. God has created us to be a community that prays together. Prayer is relational. It's relational, of course, with God, but it's also relational with one another. And that's why it's so important that we do find different ways of praying together. And it's why I celebrate that we as a church pray together. We pray in different ways together. We pray in small groups together. We pray on the streets of Reading together. We pray in church services. We pray for those who are working alongside us, those who live alongside us. We've just done some of that. And we pray for people of all ages. I'm really excited at the moment. In fact, Sandy is here today. The brilliant Sandy Thatcher is organising for some of you to pray for students as the students return to Reading, to pray together with the, those who are gathering back into Reading at university. These are just some of the ways that we pray together. But prayer is contested. It's a battle. I don't know if you feel that in your prayer life. I certainly do. It's one of the most contested areas because we live in a individualistic society and I think this last year us being at home being isolated has meant that it's much harder to come together that's why we're doing this in the building gradually slowly giving people space and time to get used to being back in community together but there is power God's power is present as we get together and pray and that's not just in big numbers. When we pray in twos and threes as well, the promise is God is there with us. One of the most important moments in my week is when I get together with my prayer partner, a guy called Will. We've been praying together for over 12 years now. We pray every week on a Thursday afternoon. We pray for each other. We pray for each other's churches. Will is praying for you. And we pray protection over each other. Because the battle is real. And just like these apostles, we face challenge and difficulty. And in those moments, we can really feel powerless and weak. It can feel like we're discouraged and we're under attack. Like the enemy is prowling, and he does. And so it's really important in these moments that we get together and we encourage each other in prayer. And so if you're isolated at the moment, I really want to encourage you to pray with others. Join a small group. Call someone up this afternoon and ask to be prayed for. Go for a walk with someone and pray together for one another. This word together tells us that when the apostles and when we are under pressure... Praying together encourages us, strengthens us, and comforts us. So I want to give us a little bit of space now, just a minute or so, to ask God 
It's a bit of an extension of what we were just doing with Alyssa and John, but to ask God, who might God want you and me to be contacting this week? Maybe to call, to meet up and pray with. And we're just going to give you a minute now to ask God to be still and to listen to his prompting. So let's ask God together now in a moment of silence. So you might want to write that name down. Tell someone else you're with maybe just as a form of being accountable and trying to remember. But let's take whatever God has said to us and be obedient and reach out and pray together. The second thing we see in this passage of scripture is these followers of Jesus, the early church, prayed with the right perspective. Have you noticed how when we're facing challenges in our life, certainly this is true for me, that we end up focusing on the size of the problem rather than the size of our God. And then when we focus on the size of the problem, we end up feeling overwhelmed. I certainly do. The opening words of this prayer in verse 24 are sovereign Lord. We need to remember who it is we are praying to. If you were given the choice of getting some help in any given situation, wouldn't you want to reach out to the one who is the greatest, the one who is supreme in power and authority, the one, the only one, who is truly in control? This is what it means for God to be sovereign. When we pray, we access the power of the Almighty One, the one who created the heavens and the earth. We read that here in verse 24. The God of revelation, the one who speaks through his Holy Spirit, through David, as it says here in verse 25. We pray to the God of history, the one who works all things out for good for those who love him. The God who turns situations around. And we read that here in verses 26 to 28. Worked out supremely in Jesus Christ through his death and his resurrection. When you and I are going through difficulties and challenges, the enemy can seem so close. And yet God is so much more powerful than anything you and I can imagine. We are not powerless against the enemy. We have direct access to the one who is able to move mountains. We just need to look and be reminded of the size and the power and the majesty and the awe of our God. And so I want to encourage you now, we're going to press pause again, to lift our eyes to God to see his sovereignty, his power, his majesty, his might. Read through these verses of scripture again. Pick one of your favorite passages in the Bible. And as you do it, ask God to give you a true understanding of who he really is. And ask him to raise our faith as we look to him. So let's pray together now.
So I want to encourage you this week, when you have a wobble, and if you're anything like me, you will have a wobble, don't focus on the size of the problem you're facing. Pick up the Bible. The whole of the book of Acts is soaked in scripture. So just open the Bible and read through the truths of who it is that is on your side, who it is that we are praying to, and who it is that is interceding for us in heaven right now. Have the right perspective. Finally, the last thing is that as these apostles pray, they pray with expectation. Most of this prayer is a declaration of who God is. But it's only in verses 29 and 30, if you have a look, that they begin to actually say, God, help. Now, they don't pray for wisdom. They don't pray for favor with the authorities. They don't pray that they wouldn't go back into prison. What they pray for in verses 29 and 30 is, Lord, enable us to speak with boldness and to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. They want to be fruitful for God. They are praying that they would be bold in evangelizing, that they would be bringing people to faith in Christ, that they would be obedient to what God has asked them and you and me to do, to demonstrate the kingdom in tangible ways. And this is what we need to pray for today. I think many of us have felt that the, the church nationally has been quite silent in this last year. And we need to pray for ourselves and for the church around this country that it would be bold in proclaiming Jesus and in demonstrating the kingdom of God. This mighty move of God that we read about here in Acts 4 began in the hearts of a few believers. They prayed together, they kept their eyes on the Lord and they expected God to heal and perform miracles and so the question for you and me is, what are we expecting as we pray? What do we really think God is capable of doing? What is the most faith-filled prayer that you have prayed recently? Jesus says, we only need to have faith as small as a mustard seed. He will do the rest. Here in Acts 4, as the church prays, the ground shakes. It's a theophany. It's a demonstration of God's power and his presence. And they are filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray together now. And I want to encourage you at home to stand in your pyjamas, if that's all right. I mean, I'm sorry, you're not all in your pyjamas, I realise that. But to stand up at home and here in church, I encourage you to stand Thank you for not wearing your pyjamas in church. Um, I'm going to encourage us to pray for God's church, that includes Grey Friars, it includes you and me, to be filled with boldness. We want to see a move of God in this country, that we would have a renewed boldness as we go out of here, into this new week, to pray for God's spirit to fill his church. And for us to see signs and wonders that we would expect God to be working in and through each one of us.